Welcome to Sisters and Sonder, the stories of the unheard, a storytelling podcast, a place for the misfits and the outcasts to find validation and healing through the power of stories. Sonder, a noun meaning the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. We're your hosts, Sammy and Tori. Let's get it. Thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, today's theme is going to be belonging. Tori, tell us a description of belonging for us. Yeah, belonging means acceptance as a member or a part, such a simple word for a huge concept. It also means an affinity for a place or situation. So today we'll be hearing a story from Dr. Seuss that relates to belonging, as well as a wonderful story from Tori about her when she struggled with this feeling of belonging. So we'll be back after these brief messages. tuning into the segment we like to call story time with Sammy. In this segment, I will read a story that we feel uh, relates to the topic we're talking about this week. So today, I'm actually going to read you the story of the Sneetches by Dr. Seuss. Now the star belly Sneetches had bellies with stars. The plain belly Sneetches had none upon thars. Those stars weren't so big. They weren't really so small. You might think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star belly sneeches would brag. We're the best kind of sneech on the beaches. With their snoot in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. We'll have nothing to do with the plain belly sort. And whenever they met some, when they were out walking, They'd hike right on past them without even talking. When the star-bellied children went out to play ball, could a plain belly get in the game? Not at all. You only could play if your belly had stars and the plain-bellied children had none upon bars. When the star-bellied sneeches had frankfurter roasts or picnics or parties or marshmallow toasts, they never invited the plain-bellied sneeches. They left them out cold in the dark of the beaches. They kept them away, never let them come near, and that's how they treated them year after year. Then one day, seems while the plain belly sneeches were moping and doping alone on the beaches, just sitting there wishing their bellies had stars, a stranger zipped up in the strangest of cars. My friends, he announced in a voice clear and keen, my name is Sylvester McMonkey McBean, and I've heard of your troubles. I've heard you're unhappy, but I can fix that. I'm the fix-it-up chappy. I've come here to help you. I have what you need, and my prices are low, and I work at great speed, and my work is 100% guaranteed. Then quickly, Sylvester McMonkey McBean put together a very peculiar machine. And he said, you want stars like a star belly sneech? 
My friends, you can have them for $3 each. Just pay me your money and hop right on board. So they clambered inside. Then the big machine roared and it clonked and it bonked and it jerked and it burked and it bopped them about. But the thing really worked. When the plain belly sneeches popped out, they had stars. They actually did. They had stars upon stars. Then they yelled at the ones who had stars at the start. We're exactly like you. You can't tell us apart. We're all just the same now, you snooty old smarties. And now we can go to your Frankfurter parties. Good grief, groaned the ones who had stars at the first. We're still the best snitches, and they are the worst. But now how in the world will we know? They all frowned. If which kind is what? Or the other way around? Then came McBean with a very sly wink. And he said, Things are not quite as bad as you think. So you don't know who's who? That is perfectly true. But come with me, friends. Do you know what I'll do? I'll make you again the best sneeches on beaches. And all it will cost you is ten dollar eaches. Belly stars are no longer in style, said McBean. What you'll need is a trip through the my star-off machine. This wonder, wondrous contraption will take off your stars. And you won't look like sneeches who have them on bars. And that handy machine working very precisely removed all the stars from their tummies quite nicely. Belly stars are no longer in style, said McBean. What you need is a trip through my star-off machine. This wondrous contraption will take off your stars, so you won't like look like sneeches who have them on bars. And that handy machine, working very precisely, removed all the stars from their tummies quite nicely. Then, with snoots in the air, they paraded about, and they opened their beaks and they let out a shout. We know who is who. Now there isn't a doubt the best kind of sneeches are sneeches without... Then, of course, those with stars all got frightfully mad. To be wearing a star now was frightfully bad. Then, of course, old Sylvester McMonkey McBean invited them into his star-off machine. Then, of course, from then on, as you probably guess, things really got into a horrible mess. All the rest of the day, on those wild screaming beaches, the fix-it-up chappy kept fixing up sneeches. Off again, on again, in again, out again. Through the machines they raced round and about again. Changing their stars every minute or two. They kept paying money, they kept running through until neither the plane nor the star bellies knew whether this one was that one, or that one was this one, or which one was what one, or what one was who. When every last cent of their money was spent, the fix-it-up chappy packed up and he went. And he laughed as he drove in his car up the beach. They never will learn. No, you can't teach a sneech. But McBean was quite wrong. I'm quite happy to say that the sneeches got really quite smart on that day. The day they decided that sneeches are sneeches and no kind of sneech is the best on the beaches. That day, all the sneeches forgot about stars and whether they had one or not on thoughts. So I am an art therapist 
in order to be an art therapist, you have to have a bachelor's degree in like an art field and some psychology classes. And then you also have to get a master's degree in art therapy. Um, and they're usually paired with like a clinical mental health degree and the art therapy. So um, I, you know, got my bachelor's degree. I was headed off to grad school um, and it was a long journey to get to grad school. And so by the time I got there, I was really craving that crew of people, right? Like finally my people that love art and love helping people um, and and want to go into this field. And um, so when I got there, uh, I went to a school in Boston. So I flew to Boston uh, for school and I was part of a low residency class. Uh, so I was just there in the summertime and I get to Boston and it had turned out that my crew of people, my new found art therapy people had already taken a class together for a whole week. And so they already had this bond and they already were getting along really well. And I was the only one that came in not having to take the class because it just so happened I had taken that class in my undergrad. So I get there and they're already sort of this bonded click of people. Um, and if you know me, you know that I don't do well <laughs> outside of a group and I don't do well thinking that people don't like me for some reason. And so I, you know, figured it would settle within the first few days and it still kind of didn't. So I was starting to feel more and more sort of outside of this crew. And then part of my degree, um, it's under a whole umbrella of expressive arts therapy. So everyone in my full cohort were in music therapy, dance therapy, drama therapy, uh, art therapy, or expressive arts therapy. And so we were all in our own little small cohorts, but then we were part of a larger cohort. Well, I started meeting some of the expressive arts therapy people, and I just clicked with them immediately. We were friends. We were buddies. We were joking, dancing, having a good time together. Um, and the more I got along with them and the less I could get integrated into the art therapy crew, I started having this moment and this sort of questioning, am I supposed to be in art therapy or am I supposed to for some reason be in expressive therapy? It's always been art therapy since the moment I started college five, six years ago at this point, it was art therapy. And now I'm sitting in this point where I'm feeling like maybe it's something else. Um, and it was really hard to deal with um, because again, it had always been art therapy. Um, but I wasn't getting along with these people and, and I wasn't being able to have fun with them, but I was having fun with these other people that are more expressive and extroverted and, um, and more of my type. And so hoping to find my people, quote unquote, in Boston and not finding them in the place that I thought I'd find them, but finding this other group of people that are sort of adjacent to me. Uh, just became this push and pull of where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I changing majors right now? Is that going to happen? Um, and then it's all happening across the whole country in Boston, in a city I've never been to, state I've never been to, um, all by my lonesome. So that's sort of where it starts. Um, just feeling like I don't belong.
Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, it is hard, especially when you're in a place that you're that is unknown, in a place where you don't have a lot of people that are understanding where where you're, you're coming from in the first place and where you want to go, um, and establishing like your dreams at the beginning of meeting new people is always so hard. Um, how did you move past this? What was your, your coping? What was the way that you were able to kind of move forward from this feeling? Yeah. Well, there were a lot of tears. Um, that's how I <laughs> solve a lot crying? of problems. <laughs> no, Tori crying. What? <laughs> um, but so I, I'm also an uh, external processor, so I have to talk things out a hundred yes, times. Yes. And so I talked to a few friends, trusted friends, and then I, of course, called my mom, yep. your mom too, yep. and, <laughs> and talked to her. And, and then I decided um, to sit down and talk with the directors of the two programs, the art therapy and the expressive arts therapy to just like bounce ideas off of these people that do this all day long and see hundreds and hundreds of students. Um, and, uh, so I talked to them and, and cried at them. And I, at one point they both sort of said a similar thing and they ended up saying, you know, you can be, um, an art therapist that does all the expressive arts or you can be an expressive arts therapist that only really does art therapy. It's what you want to call yourself and what you want to stake your claim on in the end. Um, and that really helped me because, you know, you and I come from a very theatrical family and we sing yeah. and we dance and I crochet. And and so there's many facets of me and that was part of what was making me feel like maybe I need to be in this other realm as well. But them confirming to me that it is what I make it reminded me that like in my core, it it's always been art therapy and it always will be art therapy and them telling me as professionals and professors, um, in the field that I can make it whatever I want it to be, uh, was really freeing because like degrees can feel very putting in a box, very mm -hmm. formulaic. And yeah. so being reminded that like, it is just a piece of paper and you end up doing what you want to do and what your drive is, uh, really helped. Totally. And I think it also validated like the fact that you might not be getting along with your, your, your classmates now, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get along. You're not going to get along with your cohorts in the future or like dealing with anyone else in your field. It's not going to be the same experience as well as, I mean, at the end of the day, like, belonging is just a fear of not being accepted of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so, like, having someone to tell you that you're it's your choice to, to validate yourself and to give yourself that freedom of being mm -hmm. like, I want to be an art therapist. That's all I want to ever do. And doesn't matter if you don't like me. I'm like myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> they also they also just straight up told me they were like most art therapy students are very quiet. Like art therapy attracts introverted people cuz I'll tell you, when I'm doing art therapy with my clients, 
it's usually pretty quiet. We just sit there and quiet and do some art. And sometimes yeah. we talk in between it, but usually it's just quiet. And so that attracts a certain type of person, sort of an introverted, introspective, calming presence. And they were like, you are definitely going to be an amazing art therapist, but you are definitely different than most art therapists. Like you yeah. are outgoing and you are bubbly and you're very expressive and that is just not your typical art therapist and so also hearing them say that and recognize that without even knowing me they've known me for maybe a week like so without even knowing me being able to say I see you and I see that you're different than this crew but that doesn't mean that you are not welcome here right yeah that you don't belong yeah yeah totally that's awesome yeah also it only takes like a day for someone to see your true personality so I'm not surprised at all whatsoever that they were like you're very I don't know extroverted (laughs) crazy exactly that face that you're making so expressive (laughs) what not a lot of people do that here sorry exactly and you know and almost everyone that I ended up talking to of course I called my husband as well he was my boyfriend at the time but um you know, and he said it too. He was like, it's always been art therapy. It's art therapy, you know? Yeah. And just that re-solidification um, of it's art therapy and that's okay. Yeah. And and I wasn't selling myself short because that's kind of what I felt too was like, am I putting myself in this box? But what if I want to dance around with my client? What if I want to play with my client? And like all those things are just, it's always part of therapy. You don't have to be in a box. You don't have to be a certain thing. Well, and if you have those skills and you're able to really utilize them, like, take advantage of that. And yeah. I think I think those professors really understood that that's where, that was your main concern, mm-hmm. is you underutilizing your skills and your values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, that's awesome. And, you know, in the coming three years, I ended up getting closer with my cohort mates. It just took a little bit longer than my extroverted, bubbly self expected. And, you know, we are still friends to this day and we still, I was just messaging them the other day. Like we're still all close and we're all now in the field and doing the thing. And so, you know, it just took a little bit longer and it was just sort of a culture shock, I think, to be in a new place with new people and then for them to seem to not like me. And it was just like, what is happening? So... Well, I'm glad. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, anytime. So now it's the part of our show that we like to call Tidbits with Tori, in which, as an art therapist, I give you a few little tips and tricks to apply to your life to move through some of these feelings. As a reminder, this is not a replacement for therapy. If you need additional help, please seek it. So as far as the feeling of belonging or questioning where you should be or if you're in the right place or if you're on the right track, my biggest suggestion is just like I did, right? Find the people that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can explain yourself, that you can be vulnerable and authentic with, um, and and find those people and keep them close and, and explain some of your, you know, your challenges or your questions to them. And then I would also suggest, you know, if you are an introspective type person, if you can kind of see into your core and remember that core 
drive that you have, find that core and, and revisit it and see if it can re-guide you to where you're supposed to be. Um, and last, just figure out how you make decisions. Some people, like I said, I'm an outward decision maker. Some people are list makers. Some people are, um, t- you know, flip a coin. It just, whatever you make decisions, just find your way of making decisions and, and you know, get through your decisions through that means. So those would be Tori's tidbits for this week of belonging, feeling like you're belonging and finding your right place. And there you have it, folks. Stories of the unheard. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you found something insightful in this episode. Let us know what you thought. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram at Sisters and Sonder Pod and at our website, sistersandsonder.com. Remember, Dr. Seuss said, why fit in when you were born to stand out? <laughs>